Hello, welcome to Feed, Play, Love, the bite-sized podcast for parents. I'm Siobhan Hunt. This is a show all about parenting. I speak to experts and carers about everything from fussy eating, toddler behavior, sleep and more. This International Women's Day, you might be thinking of the future, how we can make a world where men and women are equal by the time our children are grown. For Prue Gilbert, the question of equality for our children isn't a question for the future. It's something she and her children are grappling with right now. Prue is a CEO of the Grace Papers, a gender equity agency that champions inclusion and flexibility in Australian workplaces. Hi, Prue. How are you going? I'm really well. Thanks, Ramon. How are you? Good, thank you. So what happened to make you turn your attention to your kids' school and how gender equality was playing out there? My eldest is a little boy who, when he started school, uh, was very excited to be able to play on the oval with the big kids and the boys. Um, and, and very happily so when I kept on hearing how he was on the oval all the time, footy, cricket, soccer, you name it, he was there. Um, but I had asked a few probing questions around, you know, whether the girls play on the oval and it was always very much, oh, sometimes or, or yeah, they do gymnastics on the side or, you know, they're in the sand pit next to the oval. So never quite, you know, as consistent as the boys. And when he was gearing up for his prep birthday party, I was actually um, uh, driving him to another party and he started telling me about the kind of birthday party that he wanted and, you know, he reeled off all of these different things, like where it was going to be. He wanted a Carlton football birthday cake and dad would <laughs> be the umpire. His best mate would be the captain of the other team. He'd be the captain of one team. And then he said to me at the end of it, um, and the girls can be the crowd. So, <laughs> yes, I know. Which for a gender equity um, uh, advocate, uh, that's a pretty <laughs> concerning thing to have your son tell you. Um, so I really did start to think, well, what's going to happen when my daughter starts school who, um, you know, from a home perspective is just as, active um, and when she started uh, she didn't play on the oval anywhere near as much and they were fearful of going on the oval getting hit by balls um, the space was dominated by the boys and so I did start some conversations with um, with her prep teacher in particular um, who came back to me at one stage and said you know since we've had that conversation uh, I've found myself and caught, had to catch myself saying, um, don't go on the grass or the oval, you'll get hit by a ball to the girls. And yeah. she said, you've got a really good point here that the boys are dominating and the girls aren't getting access to it. And so the so, adults were kind of almost um, holding up that idea that the oval was for the boys because it was a bit too rough for the girls. Yeah, that's right. And I think, you know, going back to from a gender assumption perspective, we do assume that boys need more physical activity um, than girls do. And, you know, often that does play out in, you know, I certainly have a daughter who can sit for a much longer period of time than my eldest um, and draw and colour in or, you know, do that um, more passive play. But equally, she is much happier um, when she has 
participated in physical activity because she releases the endorphins as well. Um, and when we looked into the research, you know, there is a, a physical activity gap between boys and girls within um, our schools of, um, of 19%. So, you know, it, it is fairly significant. Um, so boys are doing 19% more activity? Is that correct? Right. Yes. Mm. Um, and the research attributes that to two things in particular, parental influence. Um, that, you know, there is a gendered bias in terms of the investment that we put into uh, boys' physical activity uh, compared with girls. And, you know, I guess until recently... Oh, and, this, sorry, the second thing is um, is the school influence around uh, what is available and, and, you know, and how they can participate. Um, and until recently, you know women haven't been able to play at the elite level in many of the sports. So um, we are part of a journey of social change. How does the issue, how do you see the issue of the use of this, the oval in this particular instance, how do you see that tie into the overall aim of achieving gender equality in the workplace? Well, I think that, um, you know, what's happened in our school is the kids actually put together a proposal um, to the school where, and it was called Share the Grass, uh, where, and there were four of them involved, where they have asked for changes to be made, you know, increased accessibility to the Oval, um, dividing the Oval into two so that there can be two games taking place, um, timetabling so that there are specific times when it is particularly safe for, you know, preps and grade ones and grade twos to actually use the oval. Um, they've changed the uniform guidelines so that, uh, you know, there are unisex, um, it's, a, it's more unisex uh, dress, uh, uniform code. Um, and I think, but I think the, the real crux of what their experience is and the, the story um, is that it actually helps us to understand privilege um, and and that plays out in our workplaces you know I, I don't know too many people who would assume that the boys should just automatically have access to the oval and priority over um, little girls at school um, and you know when we apply that into the workplace it's exactly the same the workplace ought to be equally accessible um, for all genders and um, everybody should have equal opportunity to to advance um, and to participate and bring their whole self to work in the organisation. So I think it can it opens up different conversations potentially around the gender pay gap, um, around you know quotas and um, and and really encourages us to look at well what does privilege look like and how does it manifest in these different spaces. You mentioned a few things that's happened at your school since the yeah. Share the Grass campaign happened, but um, it's also moved further afield, hasn't it? Ha-ha, mm. that was funny, wasn't it? Further afield, didn't even try to slip that joke in. <laughs> it, do, it, it does lend itself to a lot of that, you know, shifting the goalposts. <laughs> nice, nice. Um yes, we are starting to see uptake in other schools, um, and that's coming about. Uh, because the kids are talking about it in their 
out-of-school sports environments. Um, and we've been talking about it. So certainly, um, yeah, there are other schools now implementing changes around Share the Grass and other kids starting to put proposals to their schools as well. And we started this conversation with you um, telling the story about your son and his party mm. with the, the girls cheering in the crowds. Of course, we can have our own ideals and our children don't always adopt them. Have you seen your son change his uh, way of thinking about things in this process? You know what? In a really proud parenting moment, I actually have. And I think that is, again, the impact of giving um, or helping people with language to uh have difficult conversations. Uh, last year in term three, um, the the grade three girls uh, decided to start playing football, and they but they wanted to play with the grade three boys. And there was apparently a conversation that um, transpired that the boys said, some of the boys said, "No, you can't. You're not as good as us." <laughs> and um, my son was able to speak up and say, yes, they can. We have to share the grass. And the only reason they might not be as good as us is because they haven't had as much practice as us. So oh. I think... <laughs> well done. Well, well done to your son as well, of course. But... Yes, it was... A, yeah, he did well. Um, and I, I think that is it. You know, it is actually equipping our sons as much as our daughters with language and the ability to communicate about gender equality, which is a concept that hopefully once they get into the workplace, we're not even talking about anymore. Um, so, yeah, I, I think good things can come from it. And how can people get involved if they want to? Oh, my goodness. To start, um, well, we're more than happy to help you with and by sharing our proposal. So come to the Grace Papers website, gracepapers.com.au. Um, send us a note, send us an inquiry, and we'll um, we'll share the proposal with you. And and more than happy to chat. My my kids are, and their friends are trying to negotiate a, a YouTube channel, but I'm just not sure that I'm willing to go down that path <laughs> yet. <laughs> I totally understand that feeling, Prue. Thank you so much for your time, and happy International Women's Day. Oh, very happy International Women's Day for you too, Siobhan. That's Prue Gilbert. She's the CEO of the Grace Papers. If you'd like to get involved with the Share the Grass campaign, um, we'll put those links up that Prue was just talking about in the description of this episode. In the next episode of Feed, Play, Love, we'll be back with Helpline and our resident mothercraft expert, Chris Minogue, answering all your parenting questions. Babies come into families every day, every hour of every day. So don't overthink it too much. If you want to ask Chris your questions, you can email them to us directly. The email is helpline at theparentbrand.com.au. Feed, Play, Love is produced by Elise Cooper, written and hosted by me, Siobhan Hunt. 